The views and opinions expressed by contributors on the Spoon River Gothic podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the position of the host. Material heard on the Spoon River Gothic podcast is intended for adult listeners. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide. Gothic. How are you? Oh, okay. That's great. Are you? Where are you currently yeah. living? Beacon. Okay. And um, how long have you, when you lived in Canton, how long were you there for? I okay. I was trying to think of the exact date because I moved to Canton when um, I was in a kindergarten, and then I moved away in 1999. Okay. So I know you were super young <laughs> at the time. What can you recall when all that happened in 1993? Well, it's not so much that because, you know, of course, when you're young, your parents aren't going to tell you. I just remember, well, first off, you know, Jackie had posted online about your project. And, then, you know, I, I was just kind of like, Terry Haynes. And then it's the UPS. And I'm like, no way. And then... I didn't finish reading everything, and of course about the little girl who also went to the same daycare as me. You know, we probably were at the, the we were at the daycare at the same time, I believe. And um, of course, she was much much younger than me. Um, it was just like because I feel like that's when you look back at Canton, especially during the time. I don't even know if it's still open. Um, that's where everybody pretty much took their children, and it's just kind of chilling. Um, just, you know, first things first, we moved to Canton and, you know, I used to live on Chestnut Street and she rented and, um, and then I would, you know, looking back as an adult thinking, you know, like when we moved to North 8th Street, that was the first house my mom actually got to own, you know, and I know that's like such a big deal, like a big step in people's lives that I still haven't, you know, accomplished yet. And it really stinks that, you know, she's finally, you know, had her American dream and yet I, 
you know, from what I remember, it wasn't always roses living next to the Haynes's. Um, I just, when I think of Terry Haynes and when that came back to me, I just think of, he, I remember him singing in the garage. He was usually intoxicated. I remember one time I got this pair of high heels and they probably were god awful, you know, <sighs> style. Yeah. Flopping around. Um, and he's just like, stuff out. don't wear those in the morning. And, um, you know, I hate to say anything about kids. And I, I just want to say, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but something was amiss in the house. I will say, I, of course, there was Lori, Terry. I was closer to aging. And she was looking back. I was a kid and stuff. She was very, like, had said stuff and did stuff. It was very hypersexual for me being so little. Um, hope you don't judge me by saying this. Like, I, I still don't like mayonnaise to this day because I remember her saying it was made from semen. Oh, no judgment. Mayonnaise sucks. <laughs> well, but, you know, when you think of when she told me that it came from semen. Yeah. We would play Barbie dolls, and the Barbie dolls always had to reproduce and showed me her parents' collection of sex toys. Like, I was <gasps> older than her. I was an elder. What? Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, this is Terry. I went to go bug one day. The garage was open. The patio door, the, the garage door, you know, there was a screen door and an actual door. Went to go bug and someone was naked serving the dinner. And I remember ducking down really quick, being like, oh shit, I hope they didn't see me. And me quietly trying to finagle out the garage. Now, um, he had used our family car, I remember, on picking up a prostitute. And I... See, my parents worked for Department of Corrections, and um, I just remember, like, you know, my mom had said something about him, you know, cheating on with some, someone from the Elks, and then I read your thing, you know, talked about her working at the Elks, and how um, I thought, you know, I, I never knew that Lori and him weren't apart, because, like, in the article, he said that, oh, he said that Lori was with, you know, a boyfriend, but I never really knew Lori to be apart that long, and, you know, that... You know, I heard that, you know, I would hear yelling and things and fight. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he, I hate that. I feel like everyone, I didn't know this woman or anything about her, the one that was murdered. You know, everyone like acts like she's this like harlot. And yet, look at Terry. He used my family's car to pick up a prostitute and wasn't even, you know, him and Lori were supposed to be working it out or not even, you know, whatever. And was, you know, with her. Mm -hmm. So it just, so I just knew things weren't that great. I, I looking back, I feel bad, you know, because again, like when you're kind of small minded mindedness and people creating stories and things. But like I said, I just remember Terry being a heavy drinker and belching and singing really loud, making fun of my shoes. The daughter being hypersexual and things that she told me and like showed me and things. And that whole street, I feel like, was cursed because right across from the Haynes's, um, there was a, he was such a little boy and I used to play with his sister and I, uh, his name was Corey and I'm trying to remember his last name. I know the mom we married to a man named Dave Duquan, Duquan or something. And anyway, Corey's no longer alive either. He had committed suicide, I believe, years ago, but it was just like, the unhappy street. I always say, like, 8th Street was just full of unhappiness for people. So, oh. 
you know, it definitely causes, causes a row when uh, someone borrows your family car to pick up a prostitute. Right. Um, did that lend itself to... Um, if if you were to describe your childhood, is that that street something that really sticks out to you? You know, we just did neighborly things. All of us had a bike. All of us had super soakers. You know, uh, roller skates. Um, I feel like it, was, like it was pretty, you know, common, uh, you know, '90s lifestyle. And like I said, I went to the same daycare as a little girl that was murdered. Also went to, and that kind of chilled me you know and everybody one thing I remember from Canton that I used to love Gabby days they don't they quit doing that but other towns do it where people traditionally people set their junk out that they didn't want and it was like a holiday we'd all go around and look at other people's junk and I guess something about the city said something about people were picking up dirty mattresses and bed bugs so they put a squash to that but it, it was oh, no. disappointing what was the name of this event my Gabby days G-A-B-B-Y it stood for garage attic backyard basement oh my gosh wow okay yeah (laughs) so like that was a big deal up until recently like every I mean everybody went my parents I felt like you know they had their American dream in the house but even for fun because it even kind of kick-started I remember finding my first dress on a curb over by you know not far from the Y and I still have it finding that dress when I was like just a kid and I kept it all these years and um you know and everyone looks at Lakeland was a still a really cool thing and you know until people pretty much poached the catfishes and now they're just pretty much overran with carp but um you know Skateland was you know as a kid you go and for so little money you get in you get your skates you get your slushies and your pickles and pogs and um it was just like the thing to do you know in Canton you know theater was in and out you know of being in business movie theater and things like that. Like I said, a lot of us, like our parents, like I said, my parents were employed at the prison and that posed a problem with them wanting inmates to do yard work and stuff. Like my parents honestly didn't want inmates in their yard or knowing where they live, which I can understand. And that caused a big row with, um, you know, fights with the mayor. I remember one thing was about, we didn't want inmates coming in our yard and knowing to clean up the creek, the cul- the culverts, because they didn't want to, you know, to know where they lived. And I understand that, you know, you don't, want, you know, it could be dangerous, some of these people, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of people. Right. Um, you know, like from, like said, they'd have some high-profile inmates from Starbuck Killer to Jeffrey Dahmer's lover, you know, was in the prison, you know, like high-profile, but, um, And what is it like now, currently? I'll still go and take my kids to Lakeland Park because it truly is a beauty. Um, you know, Big Creek Park is a must-see in the fall. All the leaves change color is one of my favorites. Um, you know, I, I I would still go to Skateland. You know, I love the, the shape of the retro lights. And, and of course, the most memorable thing, which I feel like transforms who I am as a person, is, of course, the Spooner River Drive. I had been going to the Spooner River Drive um, since we had moved to Canton, like it's, even in the kindergarten. I remember my birthday would always be the same week as the first week, and I'd always get like cash, and then I would always just love going to, you know, London Mills and, and buying stuff, you know, like stuff for my dolls or just 
and to this day I, I go instincts I used, I've actually set up at uh, London or on the Spoon River Drive of course Canton has the Spoon River Drive so I said it kind of made me predestined to love antiques and sell antiques and that's always a really big thing and important part of um, the Fulton County culture and it's, you know I just I live for the drive it's, it's a huge part of that culture and um, you know the Spoon River Anthology even though it was in Lewistown we had to read it in grade school like and, you know, it was just like one of those things everybody did, and we all knew about Edgar Lee Masters. And the, the funny things about, you know, even like he talked about some woman sleeping on someone's unholy pillow, you know, um, indi- you know, indicating about adultery and <sighs> just the giggles about it. You know, it's this book you can read. It's, it's about, it doesn't say who it is, but he, it's about the sexual graves in the cemetery in Oh, I see. Yeah, so it's the Spooner of Anthology, and like it was a big deal as kids. We read it. We, we had a square dance. Um, I appreciate that in Canton, everybody, male or female, had to take like a home at course where we all had to um, bake a pizza, we made cookies, we sewed our own pajama pants and a pillow, um, which as a person with an education degree, I wish that they would go back to, like, kind of going back to the basics so that people know how to at least do the most basic things. Um, right, right. I, I was thinking yeah. those are all life skills right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, and you know you have to carry. It, it seems weird that my family would, like I said, getting your house and your American dream and having that fence. I remember, my, like I said, my parents took great, great care in the house. Like I said winning the city light contest and the pond, you know, we had a nice pond built back there and, you know, for someone to move, it um, fights with Terry, you know, and the, the Haynes family. Right. Um, like I said, it was nice that we lived on a dead-end street and it sucked that we lived near the, ho- you know, you could smell the hogs and stuff, but being on a dead-end street when you're a kid is good because you can play kick the can and ride your bike around and you know, it was a special treat to ride from 8th Street, which isn't too far, to the McDonald's with super, you know, supervision with, you know, the older kids and um, things like that. And like I said, because Fulton County is so agrarian, I remember every year they would usually have chickens in incubators, you know, and they would dye their feathers. And it was like a yearly thing, like livestock. People, this girl named Billy Pirtle, when she was from Canada, I remember she'd bring in her pot belly pig and Another big thing is the Canton Friendship Festival. Like, it's not what it used to be. I remember they used to actually grease the pig, and people would, you know, try to catch the pig. Is one of the, you know, events that took place at the festival back in the day. I remember that. And I just remember everybody went to the... I remember being in the parade. I was in campfire. So everybody went to the carnival bracelet night. And I just remember thinking Canton... Um, was one of the poorest counties, but I still feel like it still has a a poverty issue, like pretty comparable poverty issue. It's very agrarian. Um, kind of some of the older homes that need fixed up, but then you know also there was an astronaut from there, and I remember the Nagel Mansion, and that's the area you would want to hit up as a kid in Halloween. You know, the the best candy, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a soda can or a dollar bill, like. I remember, like I said, so like Elm Street because of you know the movie, right. those areas near the mansions were. Um,
just feel like Canton is a big poverty because like there you have to drive pretty much to Galesburg or Pekin or Peoria, and then everybody calls us a redneck 500. Was it 29 or nine? You know, or yeah, 29. It's one lane road, and there's just so many accidents and deaths on it. You know. It's, I wish that they would expand it to four lanes, you know, but they don't want to cut into Bayer Marsh. And I, I get that, but it's it's, it's kind of treacherous. Um, and, you know, people there, I feel like you really have to commute for, for work. And then right. they, had to, they had that explosion, too, that things weren't quite right. But um, I still think the drugstore in town is a gym. They make, like, I don't know how they stay open. They sell candies and... Um, homemade uh, sodas and shakes, and that's about the only place I can get a real green river with phosphate. Like, it's just, it's preserved really beautifully. And of course, the snowmen's, you know, they have their reindeer ranch where they have the snowman gallery. Um, but yeah, I just think Canton, I, I, I feel bad for saying this. Like, my best friend's mom would work at the health department and people, you know, even back in the day would call for money and they're like, well, this is the health department. We don't, you know, give out money. It just, I remember it being very impoverished. Mm. Um, I feel like the town, and I, I still don't feel like it's doing much better. Um, you know, they still have an old school Walmart that's pretty small and, you know, they the Farm King and, um, just that so many businesses, like, you know, I remember they even had like a like a wannabe Marshalls that was called like Label Savers that didn't even stay. Um, you know, they have like the very, very basics, so at least they have, you know, like the Kroger and the Aldi's and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's got, it's, I feel like it's a town rich in history and it has outstanding parks. But like I said, I feel like Canton's a big deal out there is being a farmer or being a hunter. I remember that was another thing too as a kid is, you know, it was hunting season because most of the boys in class would be gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they, it was deer season, you know, like, you know, all the boys would pretty much be gone. It was, you know, with Hutton. Uh, Canton, Canton's very big on football. They do really, um, and I think that's good, too, that the whole town really celebrated them, no matter how well they or bad they did. Like, I just remember the parade and everybody being really behind the football team and purple and gold ribbons everywhere and, and windows painted up and, um, just a lot of hometown pride. We actually had a pageant for boys because you know there's always the homecoming queen, small town, you know, very football. Right, hunting, um, fishing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like. I think, yeah, I'm glad that I, you know, had a typical lifestyle in the 90s that kids today will never experience, you know, like I did a lot, I was very independent, you know, you know, like they say, you came home when the lights came on or when your parents said so, or, you know, street lights came on and there was a lot of exploring in a nearby creek near Eastview, we kids would ride our bikes down there and catch frogs and, you know, or go, it was a big deal to ride your bike to McDonald's or, um, but we still played kid games like kick the can and enjoyed fireworks and yeah, everyone got a super soaker so we all had to have one you know my my mom would you know, it was kind of like playing keep up with the joneses but not there you know I'm not big thing too is softball there you know the park district you know the softball for girls and 
the whole town is very athletically based. But, you know, of course, they don't have, like, hockey or anything, but it's it's baseball and football, you know. Well, they also got that Mel Sport on the square that's been open for every, like, the big thing I remember it had, too, is you, girls and boys could have a letterman's jacket, and your name would be uh, cursively um, sewn on. And I had a letterman's jacket because I, you know, was in basketball and in, Softball. I was not very good, you know, like I, they always hoped that I would, with my height, my talent would grow, but it never really did. <laughs> I think I hit a grand slam one time and I felt like it was everything, but anyway, Mel's is still there and you can still get, you know, embroidered stuff and it's still, because, you know, it's just the uniforms. I mean, that tells you something. If not, a lot will stay open in that town, but that um, Mel's is still open all these years because of all the sporting goods and things, especially when you have bigger box stores that people can go to mm-hmm. in town, like they can't go to like the Dunham's or Dick's or wherever, you know, that a little mom pa top shop can stay open, especially through a pandemic and everything. So, um, Going back to uh, the case, would you say that it has any effect on you now? I, you know, I was just a kid, but it really chills my, it just, like, when I, like, I can feel it in my veins, it just really chills me to think, you know, to know that, first off, I went, I probably knew the little girl, and having, being a mom myself, that I can't imagine like I've you know dated before and I can't imagine um or you know even have an OP against somebody right now too that someone would murder not only me but my child like I don't understand how someone can murder an innocent child you know whether you know they were jealous that she was with somebody or not or I still I don't think everyone knows the whole truth about it and there's a lot of assumptions but you know, being a single mom, and even when my son was little, you know, it could have very, it could have very, very well happened to me or any woman. And you know, I probably saw that little girl or interacted with her because I think a lot of the times we ate together as a unit in the daycare was small, uh-huh. or just you know, with the whole like Terry thing and how unfaithful he was, not only and the uh, physical abuse to Lori, and then like using our family vehicle to pick up a prostitute, you know, like uh-huh. it was like. I hate the double standard that, you know, she was a hoe, but he was a man, you know, um, you know. Do you, um, think it's possible that, um, I mean, well, first of all, do you have suspicions about Terry do, um, committing this crime? Not at this time, because like I said, I was so little and it's hard for me to piece things together, but if he was violent to one woman, was to say that he couldn't have been violent to another one. Right. You know, a leopard always shows, or a tiger, or whatever, it shows a spot. You know, but yeah. I don't know to an extent. If, if he didn't kill her, you know, who's to say he never hurt her? Because, right. You know, if he hurt other, other, you know, if he hurt Lori, and that's the mother of his child's children. You know? Right. Well, uh... Like, remember, he was just a heavy drinker, and... Being sensitive to me, you know, mm-hmm. as a little kid, 
Um, well, thank you so much for your time. If I have any follow-up questions, is it all right if I reach you at this number? Yeah, or on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like I said, I, sorry I babble a lot. I just, it, it's really, Canton was always not the best time for me, but yet at the same time, it's like the worst, the best in your life. Like, you know, having a best friend still since I moved there, but yet having crappy things happen, you know, and, mm-hmm. but also being appreciative of the beauty and, you know, being a kid, you know, mm-hmm. during that time. So, yeah. All right. Thanks so much. It was great talking yeah. to you. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully it wasn't too much of a waste of your time. No, it wasn't. It was very helpful. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, you too, ma'am. Bye-bye. Spoon River Gothic is a production of Lone Bird Media in association with CZ Studio. The show is produced by August Olson, editing, directing, and producing by Corey Zimmerman. Audio mastering and engineering by E. Mastered. Research is done by Anne-Marie Cannon, Chelsea Mesa, and me, Jinra Illustrisimo. Spoon River Gothic is written and hosted by Corey Zimmerman. You can follow the show at czstudio.works and read the blog at spoonrivergothic.com. Show some love by leaving us a rating or review on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for the next episode as we dive deeper into the Donald Bull case. Thank you for listening. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide.